a podcast dedicated to reason and resilience in the time of Trump. Uh, I am Alexis Wright, and with me today are your co-hosts... Miracle Jones and Kamala Shrow. So, uh, we are continuing our three-part debate or perhaps panel discussion series, and today we're going to be talking about public education in the United States. Yeah, I just say that I feel like this is a debate that's been a long time coming between me <laughs> and Miracle Jones. It's something that I've been putting off because I know we probably, well, I, we'll see how the debate goes, but in some ways I, I feel like a lot of this podcast has been from the early stages about me building a, a, like a friendship with Miracle Jones and this <laughs> established <laughs> so, and, and this ends it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome everyone to episode 63, the final episode. <laughs> you know, I, we're about to have a spirited discussion about public education. I just want to say that since we both went to public school, yeah. you know, I believe public school wins. <laughs> if, the debate, if the debate is good, uh, uh, that just assumes I have the choice. It's a testament. <laughs> it's a testament. It's a testament to uh, public education. Okay. <laughs> So, um, just to get us started today, uh, normally I think we would probably engage in some definitions, but since presumably both we and our listeners know what public education is, why don't we start by talking a little bit about the purpose of public education? Yeah, um, that's a good place to start. What kind of the existing system is, um, and what the challenges are that you want to base your position off of in this conversation? Um, so, Miracle Jones. Uh, do you want to get us started? Purpose of education, that's a good question, a huge question, uh, maybe an impossible question to, to solve. Uh, but I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's threefold, right? It's to teach people to uh, take care of themselves, uh, and it's to create stability in society, uh, and it's to, to bring out, you know, the best in the human soul, uh, whatever that means. Uh, through art and science, and, and ideally to help humanity progress by getting people at a young age and, and instilling with the tools of inquiry and uh, expression. Okay, excellent. Um, Kamlesh, do you want to talk a little bit to the same topic? Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. I mean, we, I think you forget how long uh, ago uh, we started the idea of public education and yet how contentious it was, I think. And I was listening to a podcast that was Becoming Lincoln. Uh, it's a pretty good podcast, but it really talks about how even in Lincoln's time, right, so that's the 1820s, 1830s, right, the idea of, of education and a public education of that is deeply suspect. So yeah. that's, And so I, I think it's an interesting evolution, although I think America in some ways is a pioneer of really thinking about what it means to have general primary public education that's provided to the state and is in some ways a, c- a civil right. Another, and, and I think that's a bad term, but like you know, this is what we expect our our state governments to provide. Um, and I think the weird way about that, and the reason that it, it's a relatively old public institution, and therefore it's local, um, I think that's something that we're going to come back to in the debate. But in general, I think I think Miracle Jones is right. Like we are trying to invest in in human beings, right? We're trying to give them. A, uh, education and fill them with an understanding of the world that prepares them uh, to become adults and I think that's necessary right I mean we can't just kind of have people who are uneducated uh, assume uh, adulthood we think that you know there's a certain amount of education that you need in order to be full functioning human beings with the responsibilities of the citizenship yeah um, and what that really means I think we're we kind of struggle over right are we talking about just in terms of preparing them for jobs or what does it mean to prepare them to be a citizen yeah uh, and I think in some ways what does what arts like what role if any do arts play in all of this and and also kind of struggling with thinking about education is you know both a religious institution right I mean fundamentally we taught people in this country to read through the Bible right in order to understand the Word of God it's like a really Protestant way of thinking about 
about how education should come about, and also uh, something that's really futile, right? Like, I mean, we have something that's very, like, this is our little patch of ground, we want to educate our local people, um, we have very, like, high walls, and, like, you know, uh, we have our specialties, and I think that's that's true in academia as well, right? Like, I think academia remains a kind of deeply futile institution. Yeah, I also, I also think it's interesting the way in which school itself kind of mirrors society or like has some is a microcosm or purports to be a microcosm in order to get people prepare people for actual like american society right like i think that's an important function of school even if it's kind of an ancillary one even if it isn't the purpose right we're trying to educate but we're throwing everybody into a mixer you're getting to know fellow americans you're you're being yeah. a citizen at an early age uh, in, in a classroom uh, and you're it's a it's a free market kind of education here in America everybody's fighting each other for grades right uh, yeah, which are I kind of consider, I, I think it's not I think primary education is not free market in a lot of ways like I don't I think it's I, I think we've I think we have a hierarchy and I don't I wouldn't consider that free market right like I mean in some ways we don't I mean we have I think especially in primary education, like there's a sense of like, oh, if you do this much work, like you don't, you don't. There. I guess that's true. There is not zero sum. Everybody right. can get an A if they. Yeah, yeah if yeah, they yeah. if they put in. Well, yeah, it's right. maybe an employee employer relationship. Right. Like I mean, it feels yeah. like very like uh, it feels very like bureaucratic and yeah. hierarchical. That's true, but it yeah. does transition as you get older into a more zero sum situation okay. where everybody's yeah. fighting to be valedictorian theoretically. Sure. So, um, leaving aside, I think the question whether everyone is fighting to be valedictorian. Um, Theoretically. Theoretically. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, since we've now sort of talked a little bit about the purpose of public education, it seems like you guys have a general sense of agreement that it is, in some sense, sort of uh, oriented toward being a civil right that's meant to prepare people for citizenship or adulthood, right? right. Um, well, I'd, I'd say so more it's a human right, that if people don't get, they begin to you know, blow shit up. Like, I think it's actually something that if you see somebody else getting it and you're not getting it, mm-hmm. you're gonna take arms eventually. Fair uh, I, I think that's, you know, kind of why... Uh, so also a method of preventing mass uprising. Well, yeah, I think something people expect if they see that it's the only way to get mobility in society. Like, if, if you, you know, I think it, in, in okay. that sense, functions so, like a... So we've also talked about as a socialization tool and now, like, maybe as a tool of social mobility. Yeah. So, um... Since uh, we are taking positions today, why don't you each kind of start by laying out what you consider to be, because I know you both have very strongly held views on this, um, the challenges that the public education system faces or the education system in the United States in general faces, and then what your position is and how you feel that it addresses those challenges. So um, again, uh, Miracle Jones, if you want to go first. Yeah, uh, I'd say the current challenge of the public education system is it's one. There's one big thing that just blows my mind, which is public education at a collegiate level. Anyway, it's basically tripled in price, right? Like it's crazy the amount of inflation that's happened since I was in school as far as the cost of public education. Uh, when I went to school, it was three grand a year. Now it's ten grand a year at the, at the University of Texas. Uh, and you know the wages have not increased, and I don't believe the the value of the degree has increased that much. But we're, we're looking at a, a situation where there's basically no uh, government regulation for in-state uh, price increases of, of that level. And at the same time, like uh, that's that's a threefold increase, a little bit more. Uh, Harvard's doubled in price as far as, but you know it's a private school. Uh, so, you know, caveat in tour, but, you know, if you're in Texas, the university, that's the, the place you're going you're to be in that system. So you have kind of no choice. So it's a captured market and the, the price has, has tripled. So that's something that I think is a huge crisis because it's, uh, you know, people are paying for it with debt uh, by going into debt. Uh, as far as quality of education in America goes, uh, I actually think we're doing great and there's not a problem. Like. Uh, for the amount of people that we serve and uh, what we're offering, I think the pound for pound America does, you know, provide an incredibly, you know, excellent and robust public education. Uh, however, it's unequally, you know, spread. Like not everybody has access to the same resources and the same teaching quality, the, the same safety in their schools. I think is hugely important, and that's a, a crisis. But it's not something that is unsolvable. It's an evolving situation. I think lots of people are taking 
you know, aim at and trying to find new ways to solve. Um, so would you say, uh, just elaborating on that, um, so it sounds like you feel like one of the major challenges for public education is affordability and then maybe... At a collegiate level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then not an overall quality issue, but maybe a distribution of access to quality education? Yeah, distribution of access and, and certain, and kind of, there's kind of a, a crisis of faith, like a, okay. a, a belief. And also in, like an image or yeah, like what people are publicity getting. problem? Okay. Yeah, I'd say publicity problem. Okay, okay. And then um, what do you propose, like what is your position as a way to address those challenges? I think the charter school discussion is uh, a difficult one and, uh, I'm suspicious of the people advocating for charter schools as a solution. Uh, I think teachers are extremely important, kind of the shock troops in uh, you know American society, like you know as much as the army is, uh, and should be treated with the same value and you know I, I think cradle the grave uh, help as as people in the armed services get and. I think because of the gender nature of teaching, they're often shunted aside in the same way that nurses are. So to kind of synthesize that, um, and so you think that um, one of the big solutions that we could push for this would be better attention to teachers who are really the bedrock of the system? Is that the... First of all, I, I don't think there's a. I think there's no crisis. Okay. Like okay. we're not looking at something that's like okay. So you think keep it as is is the solution since the challenges are largely illusory or image related. Well, I'm saying you know we have a, a situation where we're looking at schools being regulated top down as opposed to a lot of the changes coming from the teachers who are really mm -hmm. out there working on the front lines. I think that's a huge problem. Mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, a lot of the state control of uh, curriculum is a huge problem, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, perversely. I mean, mm -hmm. those are two counter impulses, but... Okay. Uh, Kamalesh, do you want to talk a little bit about challenges that you see in public education and kind of what your position is and how you see it addressing this? Yeah, I mean, I think I come from it from a slightly different perspective. I think uh, I would... I would actually counter-argue. I would say that uh, America does a pretty mediocre job of educating its students in some ways, but I think really the metrics by which we measure education is is multifold, right? I think the problem is that I think different people want different things from the education system, and it's not just parents or students. I think people, when everyone has an opinion about education, even if you don't have kids, you've at least gone through the education system, and how you evaluate the education system uh, is very different from person to person. So, like someone, you know, do you, uh, is it just college prep? Yeah. Um, is it simply math and science? Are you trying to provide a citizenship? Um, are you trying to weed out? Uh, are you trying to provide the next generation of researchers? Um, are you trying to, you know, open the gates to middle class? Are you trying to prevent civil unrest, right? Like, I mean, I think that's a thing. We have so many metrics, and everyone, and I think in general, when people are thinking about education, they're not honest about how they want all those metrics to be filled at the same time, right? I think that's the let's, thing. Let's not forget the daycare aspect as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. what are you going to do? If there's a, and I think this goes back to a point where, um, you know, education is sort of the first and fundamental public service that the U.S. Uh, offers, right? And it's just the one thing that the U.S. came to agree that, well, maybe that in the mail system, right? Mm -hmm. That the U.S. was like, oh, we're going to provide education at some level, maybe. And I think because of that, and we, and because the U.S. has a really thin sort of social safety net, we expect a lot of social services from uh, the public education system as well. And in some cases, uh, especially when we talk about sort of the tail end, where we're talking about poorer communities or underserved communities, these are the only, these are the only public services that the community really sees that uh, get large investments either from the state or even for the federal government. So you're expecting it to be the social safety net that you're not willing to explicitly provide. So again, there are just a bunch of cross purposes for the education system. And I think we haven't wheedled off how much we want it to be a social service as much as we want it to be some actual education system, right? So you can actually, and I think that's, you know, are you providing X number of skills because you think X number of skills are going to be useful in general to the public uh, after uh, when they reach adulthood or when they have to sort of fend for themselves? And are these, and then at some point, are the skills not 
um, all-encompassing, right? Do some people have, need to have certain skills and uh, certain people not, not need to have those skills? So um, I think these are very kind of uh, conflicted ways to measure education, and I think that's, that's fundamentally one of the issues. Right. A friend, and also, I think because we decided on this, I find absurd uh, system of uh, state funding education. It's rife with a lot of issues that come from funding it at a local level, meaning property taxes, meaning a lot of, you know, nicer districts, yeah. meaning nicer, nicer we can, education. We can agree on that completely. Yeah. I think, that's I, I think it should all be federally funded. Yeah. I think it should, I think you either get rid of the Department uh, the department of Education or you complete, or you have it take over everything, right? Like, I yeah. mean, I want it, I don't love this, like, intermediate, like, setting up goals, maybe, but I think federal education should, I mean, education should be handled at a federal level. There should be a universal standard. I don't need you to I don't need you to teach me North Carolina history. This is nonsense. Right? North Carolina doesn't need its own set of math requirements. Right. I mean, well, you could. I think you could have that. Yes, on that. But I think you can have fifty discrete, you know, battalions in a Department of Education army. Right. Right. I mean, but, there are going to be local yeah. needs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To some degree, but largely, I think. Well, you, you I, think just I think it's a hard conversation to have yeah. because I think everyone wants their say. They're, again, we're all. We expect a lot from this social service come education facility, yeah. and I think you know we just have a lot of uh, conflicting ways of evaluating it, and we want a lot of it because it is a universal experience, at least in the U.S., to have some sort of education, a uh, primary education. You feel like the biggest challenges facing public education in the United States have to do with actually understanding its purpose or the metrics by which it should be evaluated, since in the absence of that, it's very difficult to... Mm-hmm evaluate what should be changed or what should remain the same and also the fact that again as you said um, that it's sort of the only social safety net in some sense that many residents have and so there are questions around how far it should go right if, well if I, I, think, I think yeah. that I think that conflicts with the basic purpose like if it's going to be just an institution devoted to education it should be that but understand that you're actually placing on the burdens of it all the the needs and wants of uh, pretty weak so uh, social safety net that, and so I think that's the real problem I think we don't we're not honest about we're about how much we expect from the education system and how that's they're often conflicting wants well if I can add to that there's a unique character to America that that makes our education system ha- do have a have a dual purpose which is that we don't have a single genome right so it also is serving the purpose of like weaving together Americans right and and you know we have a huge immigrant population uh, you know I always have and uh, one of the you know purposes of education is is you know to kind of envelop people and it, I think that's one of the reasons why our system you know doesn't appear to work as well as I think it does mm-hmm. because it's doing something that other countries don't have to do mm-hmm. we're not taking a, a specific culture with you know thousand year history and you know adding a little cherry on top of it we're creating out of whole cloth an entirely new society you know with people from all over the world who don't necessarily share a culture and trying to introduce each other to each other you know using this mechanism of a perhaps infelicitous social safety net you know where everybody's you know sharing their culture to other people as children who and they may not necessarily understand it themselves and you're getting kind of a half cocked view of you know somebody from another place rich poor black white etc and uh, in in a in a setting that is you know a lot like prison so uh it's i mean it's it's strange right but it, i think it it creates kind of a, a shared at least public school creates kind of a shared uh history that we all have that we can all a trauma maybe that we all have that we can access and you know relate to each other on uh as uh going into the workforce and going into adulthood all right um okay so uh we talked a little bit about funding for schools um and that's something i think it would be helpful to unpack a little bit more um so um Right now, right, um, public schools are being funded by a combination of local property taxes, which both, um, it's been said, has a segregating effect, and also in having spoken to teachers on this topic in preparation for this episode of the podcast, even in relatively wealthy but diverse areas can lead to sort of incentives where um, people maybe send their own kids to private school and then vote down budgets for public schools. Um, 
So uh, a mixture of property taxes um, and obviously like federal money that's incentivized on the basis of certain metrics and maybe we can unpack metrics and merit a little bit more later on, but for now yeah. if you want to just sort of speak to funding questions. Yeah, I mean I think the idea that you open up uh, education to a sort of a locally funded system, it does, it does, it opens up the possibilities of of inequality. I think it, and, and maybe that's true, I think wealthier districts are going to have better funded schools. Um, and, and sometimes states act to sort of level funding across the state, which is helpful. Um, I think if, as long as you have a state that isn't, uh, doesn't have huge differences of, of wealth, uh, I think it's more, le more wealth than anything else. So a uh, state can't act to level, but I think it's hard, right? Like, I mean, what would you do in Mississippi, right? I, I think that's, I mean, it's a profoundly poor state, right? And it, no matter how much you level, it's just going to have a disparity in, in income from the rest of the country, right? And so I always think about this in terms of the Deep South, but there's certainly poorer places in, in the country, too. So I think the way Res reservations, yeah, reservations. Sure, I mean they're yeah. pockets of poverty that there's that the the either the state or the federal government has to kind of come in and really um, sort of level funding and level access and also I think over incentivize right like you have to over incentivize teachers to spend time say on reservation lands or in, uh, you know in the fi or even like quote unquote tougher uh, urban schools and stuff like that. But again, this is goes back to the idea that we're trying with public education to redress um, the failings of a social safety net on our most vulnerable population, right? Um, so, uh, you know, I mean, there's there's only so much you're gonna be able to do if, uh, to educate uh, someone if they, if, you know, if the home life isn't great or, you know, there's so many things going on, right? And so my experience with kind of uh, inner city kids, because I used to volunteer to be a tutor in inner city programs. It's like you know, there was so much I could do teaching them math and education, like math and science, right? Like I think that's that's really hard because um, you know they're acting, they have to go home and take care of their little brothers and sisters because they're the oldest, and you know these kind of stories where they have to be the adults by the time they're thirteen or fourteen. Um, that's that's heartbreaking and true. I just I I'm not saying that that's unique or. Uh, uh, to the U.S., but I mean, we we just don't have the social services and the social safety net to kind of pull that up. So I I'm I'm a f I I think that federal funding would be okay. I just think that the difference between me and Miracle Jones is that I don't mind that private education exists, right? And I don't I think we we have an, a debate on whether or not you know tax incentives would allow are basically a way of funding private education. And I, I think I worry about that less than you do. And I I think I'm more of a champion of charter schools than you are, but I'm also really skeptical. I think that they, from the empirical evidence, I mean, I think they've had some marginal effects in certain scenarios. But I think what's important is that if you had a system of school choice, I think that, especially in relatively dense areas, I think that's an important way to get people involved in their school system. And I think, and that's why, I mean, I, this is one of those things where instinctively maybe uh, some combination of teachers unions or sort of uh, a progressive ethos doesn't really love charter schools or doesn't love school choice. And I, I think that's painting with a broad brush. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but it is pretty popular, at least in sort of, uh, certainly here in like, in, in sort of poor black and brown neighborhoods, where at least the opportunity to be able to choose your school, to be able to participate in that, I think is important, even if the school isn't necessarily gonna guarantee super results. School choice, I think is an important, thing to offer parents to be able to be have some participation in their in their children's education. Well, I, but I think I think it, I think here specifically it's such a big deal because the rich are so universally, you know, bound for a private school here on the East Coast because they so kind of like default opt out of the public of the public education system because there's this, you know, they have a, a sense in which they're definitely going to a private college, right, a private university, and they want to begin preparing for that as soon as possible, so they need to go to the best possible, you know, uh, even kindergarten, right, or early pre-K school. They begin at a, such a young age getting ready for this track uh, shooting, you know, into the stratosphere, right, as somebody looking at that and wanting some sense of control or fairness or just not wanting to feel ultimate despair at the prospects of their children. They want some kind of education system that mimics some of the maybe formal aesthetic qualities of a private school, but doesn't necessarily have the actual, you know, 
thing about private school that makes it useful, which is the connections with other rich people, right? Like you're sending someone, you're putting somebody in a uniform, but you're not putting them in a uniform next to like, you know, a, a Bush or an Astor or like, you know, uh, somebody like that. So you're, you're getting, as a consumer of education, you're feeling some sense of, you know, I'm getting the same thing as the richest person in private school. I, I come from Texas, which the, the, the three best, you know, states for public education at the highest level of California, Texas, and, and uh, Michigan. Uh, uh, North Carolina is also very good, but it's uh, it doesn't serve the same amount of people as those three places. So I kind of chalk it as uh, therefore they're second tier. But those, if you live in those three states and you decide to go to a private school, I think you're a fucking fool, right? Like if you have the ability to go to the University of Texas, UCLA, or Berkeley, or the University of Michigan, you should. Like those are the public Ivies. I think they're equivalent education to any play, any private school you could go, uh, and I, and they're way cheaper. So you know, significant order of magnitude cheaper, right? And and so when you're in a state, and and then Texas has the at, at the correlative of there's no Stanford in Texas, you know, there's no uh, other place. You know, if you everybody, we had you know three national merit scholars in my high school, and they all went to the University of Texas, right? They you know. Uh, they stayed in the in the public school system, and there was no people don't leave. They they stay in the system, right? And that creates this weird, you know, state of mind in Texas where you're all kind of going to end up in the same place. Uh, you're all kind of buying into the education system there, and uh, it, the people in power are people who went to public. You know, we our governor went to the University of Texas. Rex Tillerson went to the University of Texas. You know, K Bay. You know, all the people who are would here have gone to private school and be part of the private school elite in Texas, they are public school elite. So they, you know, have a stake in the system, they protect the system, they you know, when it comes time to, to pay for shit, they may not be paying for healthcare, but they'll certainly pony up for public education in Texas. So I think the thing is that with private schools, right, I mean, no matter what, people have a stake in their own personal education or the education of their family, right? So it's gonna be really hard to squeeze that part of the balloon, right? Like, people are going to want, if they feel like the public education system isn't giving them what they want, they're going to find a way to send uh, their children to more elite institutions that, uh, or they're going to spend more on education with the hope that it provides some outcome that they want, right? Um, and so, to me, uh, you know, I again, I grew up in North Carolina, and so there were a lot of state uh, lawmakers who came through the UNC system. Maybe that may be changing now, because um, we have so many carpetbaggers, um, but uh, we. But it was true that like all the state governor and state legislature, they are all UNC, uh, you know, graduates or, uh, and the UNC system is pretty big. It's just a smaller state, and it's quite good. Um, so I think that a lot of people did have state. I'll, I'll recognize that point that if you have uh, an elite that tends to want to fund the state's education or, and has a real drive to make sure that that system is is integral to uh, the the. The functioning of the state, then I think you'll get better funding. Also, uh, University of Illinois. Also, the yeah, Illinois system yeah. is, is a great system too. Yeah. There are plenty of, of good public tertiary institutions that are probably facing issues with funding. But I also I would say that you know it may be a, a way of reevaluating how we think about funding. But I think a lot of public systems are facing funding problems because the U.S. public system of funding is under a lot of pressure from an aging population, right? Like, yeah. I, And so we, we I naturally, things are going to be more expensive. There's just not going to be as much funding available if you have, if you're no longer cresting off of this productive baby boomer um, population wave that is that is just putting a lot of monies into into public coffers. And if you're shutting down the borders. Right, yeah, <laughs> maybe. So, I mean, we could talk about, yeah, exactly. Let's, let's make sure we incorporate everything into this education thing. Yeah. Um, so... I also I think that having a private you know high, like secondary or primary school system is is something that's somewhat unique I think I mean the 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 way that it, it operates on the East Coast I think is sort of like a unique sort of character where you actually have to get your child into the best kindergarten and pay thirty thousand dollars a year for kindergarten for and you know and I love the idea that 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 there are some very rich people playing paying for a very progressive education which is you know. <laughs> Why don't you study whatever you want to study, and I will pay thirty thousand dollars. Thank you, Saint Anne's. Um, so I, I think, in particularly in New York, maybe Boston, uh, some other corridors, like the private education of, of 
uh, primary schools and secondary schools are characters. But what happens then if you actually think about if we, we switch the system, right, and we kind of completely defy, we take away tax breaks for private education and things like that, and we turn everything into um, federal system, as we're both advocating. What will happen is that people who really think that education is important Right, will there will be some sort of testing criteria, and then you'll spend a lot of money in some sort of test prep outside of school. Like even if you don't have private education, right, you'll spend a lot of money and resources into the test preps, and that's what happens in say Korea, uh, China, I mean, it, Taiwan. That's not unique to a purely public education system. Sure. I mean, in Japan, there's many options well, in terms of systems, but they're still obsessive. Well, about Tokyo University, yeah. right? Like I mean, all the all the entrance exams. So the the really elite. If you either have state systems that provide elite education where like a very few pe number of people can go and so you have sort of rigorous bureaucratic standards which are in some ways that people teach to and fund on in their own private way right so it's still going to be a, a you know an elite being able to fund uh, put resources into preparing their kids to go to very elite university and so I, d I don't think it takes it away but let me I think it's hard to squelch the part of a loom where people who see a value in education won't find a way to won't find a way to fund that in some ways, and that will exacerbate uh, exacerbate inequality or or drive inequality. This happens in France, which is a completely socialist system, right? Like you have elites going to an elite university, and like you know that top there are two universities that provide all the country's leaders, and so it's not it's very hard to say that education isn't valuable. I think we all heard that, and there are going to be people who spend more resources in order to gain access to that, and so. I struggle with the idea that I want uh, whether or not public education is as good as private education. In theory, I want to say it is, but I just don't think that's true. Like, I mean, that's just my experience because I've been through both one system and otherwise. I've been to high school. I was in public school in North Carolina. I went to a pretty decent public school for North Carolina, which is, you know, it's like playing D3 football. Um, so, <laughs> so, so, I mean, you're a really good team for D3 football. Like, I mean, it's just not that the, edu the public education system in North Carolina isn't great. But I, I went to a pretty, and I, I think I got a really good education. Um, but I also went to a private college. I struggle to say that I would have gotten as good an education at UNC that I did where I went to school uh, for college. So I think that's, that's yeah. the thing. Um, and I don't think it's the matter of... It's not but you may not have hated the people you went to school with as much, which may have yeah. But that's my class resentment. Well, I mean, but that's that's what I mean. I think I think that has an effect. Like all the people I went to school with, you know, we're you know we it was grades thirteen through sixteen. Yeah, you know what I mean. It never felt and and, and something that was interesting about the University of Texas. I hate to bring it back to that, but it's a unique system and it's the one I know. Uh, is that to get into the University of Texas, to your point about testing, you know, if you're in the top 10% of school in Texas, you have guaranteed admission. Right. Uh, and then it goes to uh, test, you know, then it, not everybody's going to choose to go to the University of Texas. A lot of people choose to go to the University of Houston or Texas A&M for, you know, circumcision reasons, you know. My dad, same, same thing, like, I just want to give my kid the same education I yeah. have. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you, you know what I mean? Like, so, uh, no, I mean, there's no talking about it. Laws. What does this have to do with male circumcision? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I feel like people tribal, want... Tribal, tribal... Yeah, people, people want, yeah, people want, people want their, their children kids. to have, like, have the, the same, same kind of scars. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, so then it goes to testing, right? And then, you know, any at any school in Texas, in the public ed, you can transfer, right? So a lot of people go to uh, ACC, which is Austin Community College, or uh, some, you know, University of Texas affiliate. They'll go for a year. If they get great grades, 4.0, you know, then they can transfer to University of Texas and, and, and go over there. And a lot of people do that just to get in and graduate from there. Uh, so it, it it's true that there's a you know a testing mechanism that sorts people, but there's a lot of ways to you know move into this. And once again, it's the best school. You know, if you're in Texas and you're looking at you know what what my future prospects are, then you know and you're like I got to go to the best school. Then there's a lot of ways to make that happen for yourself if you're motivated like that. Uh, yeah, and I just I want to go back to the point. I want to push back a little on the point that um, you know it, with the when you have a private and a public school system that only the elite go to the private schools, right? Like, I mean, I think there is, it, you can say that there is quite a lot of reinforcement of class issues um, in, in sort of a private and public school system where they, co where they coexist. But I think there's also quite a lot of meritocracy. And I think one of the things that I'm really kind of 
really annoys me about the public debate, especially the debate on the left, is they don't recognize what kind of merit, like they want to make it an argument about inequality and wealth inequality and how the system, especially uh, uh, the university system reinforces that. But I think it involves kind of ignoring, and I, I brought this up, I think, privately among us, is that it ignores that it is also, there is some meritocracy that uh, lives alongside that, right? And there is quite a group, I mean, there are people who do focus a lot on on either their resources or their time to make sure that they are good students and that can actually go, say, take the journey. I think both I and my wife did, which is to go from public school to elite private schools, right? Yeah. And I don't and I don't love the idea that that was just wealth based. I'm not saying that I and my wife didn't have resources that other people didn't have, but I think it's also. I mean, we were both intelligent. We worked really hard, right? Like my wife was the valedictorian of her high school. Like that's not. There were trade offs there socially. We've all seen the ramifications of well, that. But, so <laughs> but I think I think that's the thing that we have a merit. Uh, there's also a meritocracy that that I think gets. Um, squelched, or th that's the debate. I, I think that aspect of it is something that I feel like the left doesn't bring and appreciate. But there are also people who are willing to leave their places behind, right? Which is uh, a kind of character, right? Like it's somebody. It's not you know. It's it requires an, not just talent but ambition, right? Which yeah. is, is uh, not always conjoined, right? Uh, yeah, and I I wanna I just wanna put in this argument too, like since we're on this topic, is that education. I mean, you can fund it really well, but there is going to be a difference about how much. I mean, there is, uh, I don't think culture is the right way, but yeah. whether or not a, a household values education, that's going to be a huge impact, right? Like, totally. Yeah. You can fund so teachers and you can fund systems, but I, I mean, yeah. I do want to, on that note, yeah. I want to kind of unpack the idea of merit. Yeah. Yeah, and meritocracy in general. Sure. So, um, so in this context, um, let's define merit. Yeah. Right? Um, because certainly, you know, as you were saying earlier, right, if you're tutoring disadvantaged students or people come from some kind of either systemic or individual disadvantage that creates real actual disadvantages in the educational system. Now, did those reflect a lack of human merit, as seems to be implied by the idea that good grades are themselves a pure measure of merit? Like, what is merit? Right. So I think that's, I mean, th I think that's a, that's a really good point, right? So I think, uh, I think inequality by its nature is ill-defined and it's often, you know, it's up to people to kind of use shifting metrics to make an argument. And sometimes that argument is that always inequality is bad, it's always getting worse, right? I think the meritocracy also has a very weak kind of set of definitions, right? Um, my, I will say that, I will say that what exists in our education system, and it's very clear in the U.S., it may be clearer in other words, is that there is, they kind of coincide and they coexist, right? So it's messy, where you do have uh, you do have people who are who can just buy their way into some degree of the system. I I I think it's really really hard to buy your way into MIT. It's I don't think you can do that. I think it, it's very very okay. few people who can do that. I mean maybe one point zero zero one percent, right? But I think you can buy your way into a pretty low-hanging ivy, right? Like, so my my point is, like, you could buy your way through the system, and there's, you know, whether or not you have uh, funding. I, I mean, but that's that's a fair amount of resources. It's it's relatively rare. I think even well, setting aside the, explicitly buying your way into things through pure cash injections. Right. I mean, I think yeah. you know, if you're talking about even something like MIT, right? Sure. A student who has had time to focus on academics or has had family focus on academics. Um, versus other maybe right. lower on the Maslow pyramid factors right. Right, throughout their academic history. One hundred percent, I agree with that. Right, like I think in my own experience shows that like I definitely even I mean I I grew up middle class, living class, but I had certain resources and abilities to focus that other people didn't. Right, um, I but I think that's but I don't also think that that didn't necessarily mean that I was better off. Right, like I mean there is there is certainly some combination of inherent kind of uh, wealth or having certain privileges in life that combine with the meritocracy. And I think the fact that I, what I resent is the argument that it's just a privilege, right? Like that people like who do actually come from, I would say even just in the middle middle class to get into elite universities don't work hard. I think they often do work hard and they're, they may be better off than say, the fifty percent below them on the socioeconomic scale, but oh. I do also think that they they actually. I, I'm not sure I've ever heard the argument that they're not 
working hard. Right, but I think the the idea that that I what happens, and I think this may be a little bit of a character of the argument, is that there is no meritocracy in the university system, and that what often happens, right, and I, not to personalize this, but I think what happens is that we tend to look at failures, diversity, say, diversity statistics as a way of saying that, oh, okay, this is not good for brown and, and, and black people, right? Like any elite university or even elite high school, especially in New York, that's a big debate, yeah. because we're defining brown people somehow not including South Asians, right? Like, I mean, so that's, I think that's one of the things that the left has kind of backed itself into defining diversity in a way that doesn't include a, a significant experience of Asians, right? Where even people from relatively modest backgrounds, um, because because of the way that they were either raised or the the way the the or, or maybe they have slightly uh, more privileged. I would I, I don't know if I agree that Asians are necessarily um, better off, especially in the maybe city. Maybe there's a better actual social safety net, not in the sort of state sense, but <coughs> in terms of the uh, in, in terms of the community. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So this is also where it gets a little fuzzy, right? So it's, so if I let's say I had like my aunts and, and and uncles around continually reinforcing me and maybe if my parents like my you know I, I didn't have the like the best home life but like let's say I had like a safety net because of the Indian community that's also a choice by that community right like I mean it's not that that is those are actions leading to an outcome right like that's is, is it a privilege because people around you are willing to put in time and resources around you maybe that is true but that's also like why i mean that's also a conscious decision upon people right like you can't take i mean that's they just des they deserve i mean people have made a decision and they're getting an outcome that they want from it yeah. that's not that's okay. i mean that in itself is, is that is that privilege or is that meritocracy because i think they are making conscious decision right like, yeah I, I guess i'm given that a certain amount of people very ambitious and competitive right i think the most exclusive school is a free one right like i think a, a school that where there's no way and and i think a competitive person would agree right a, a school where you're looking at like you know there's no way to get in other than a bare knuckle fight do you want to take a stab at defining merit also uh, i mean i i guess i, I look at it I, I i'm just not really interested in it because I, you know I, I guess i view education as uh what happens when you're squeezing your brain through the you know pinhole or it's the extra thing that happens on the inside where you begin a lifelong interest yeah. in learning and and i actually would be interested to hear both of you talk a little bit more kind of elaborating on what we've built here about both sort of the question of public education as a portal into sort of class advancement and then also this idea of public education advancement in public education being based on measures of merit right um, that does create a system where how students are being evaluated suddenly becomes extremely pertinent. There's been a lot of general public debate around standardized measures of performance in schools for students um, and how they should be um, laid out, who should be responsible for those standards and curricula, to what extent they should be driving budgets, um, or, or graduation rates even, say. I know that that's something on, in New York State, uh, based on teachers that I've talked to, um, graduation rate is a big driver of state funding, yeah. um, which incentivizes teachers to game the student, well, schools to game the system and try to get as many students graduating as possible, many of whom are maybe not ready for university. So, you know, um, these questions I think become relevant. And even the idea of, right, a high school diploma as a mark of merit. It's hard to kind of, again, disentangle where privilege stands in and meritocracy doesn't, right? So I, you can go through a system of standardized tests, right? And um, certainly you can do test prep. Uh, you can, and assume there's no cheating, right? Like, and there are ways to cheat the system, but assume there's no cheating. Then, I mean, uh, you can definitely people who have uh, the resources can put their child through some sort of test prep. But I would also say that, like, having known a few a number of elite people, like you can put your you can park your child in test prep, and <laughs> nothing can sink in, yeah. right? Like, I mean, it's it's like you can't be pushing on a uh, like a rope, right? Like, I mean, so there is there is something about that. And to be honest, right? Like, I mean. Uh, the standardized testing system is something that brought a lot of, uh, if we measured it correctly, diversity to um, to the university systems, right? Like I don't, I could walk in and, you know, I, and I guess my wife and people I know, we just, you know, maybe we were brighter. I, I mean, maybe whatever, you could say that we were slightly more privileged, but 
um, I could come in and take a test, and people who, you know, I know who are roughly my class lived in my neighborhoods, right? Like, I would just do better on the standardized test, and I didn't have to know things like, I didn't have to have, like, cultural education, right? Like, I didn't have to be able to quote, like, things from the Bible or have to read, but I, I could do well in a standardized test, and that could help me get into a, a private uh, or a more elite school. And that was because no one was looking at my name, right? Like, I could just do well on the math section and the and the vocabulary section. And so I think there is something pretty, and there is the potential to level um, with at least at a, uh, standardized test, and it does it transform the complexion of universities. I mean, it's dominated. Elite universities are dominated uh, by uh, Asian Americans or something. They overrepresent themselves on the order of like six times, right? And I, I, I think that's worth unpacking, right? I think maybe Asians do have a slightly more privileged background than say, uh, maybe Latinos stereotypically or Blacks stereotypically. But I also think that there are plenty of Asians who come from really humble backgrounds who also stress education. So I'm not. I I think that the pushback against standardized system, I'm also suspicious about that, right? Like, I don't, I don't, and because I, they look at it and there aren't enough uh, blacks and Latinos or quote-unquote brown and black people, uh, and therefore the standardized system is failing, but I think what will happen is that if you push against it and you, uh, and you relax certain criteria and you try to look at, I, I don't know, softer criteria or you do an affirmative action, what you're going to be doing is you're going to take away Asian seats. You're going to guarantee white privilege seats, right? And because they'll, they'll find a way to crack the system. Uh, and old, I think that's... Old Slytherin. Right, right. I mean, you're, you're going to be penalized. In one way or another, and this already happens, you're going to penalize people who work the system, like Asian Americans. And I think, and, and they work it in a in somewhat meritocratic way, right? Like they work really hard at school. They get the thing they achieve the metrics that are, are, are put upon them. So I, I just, I'm, I'm a little bit, well, I, I, I just, I've, I, I feel like that voice isn't really, um, no one's, no one's kind of championing that on the progressive left. Like even if you, if you watch Hassan Minaj, do you know Hassan Minaj? Yeah. Yeah. Like he, I think he, he, he has his own show and he's, he's, they say he's one, he's one of my people and he kind of blew over it and he was like, I can't understand why Asian Americans are, are fighting over this. And I'm like, yeah, of course, because you didn't go to an elite university. <laughs> yeah. No, well, but I, I mean, seriously, like, yeah. I, I feel like the progressive left has silenced that voice, right? Like, it's a, you know, because everybody in the top 10% of my high school was going to get into a public university, yeah. right, in, in Texas, and because the University of Texas is a public Ivy, right, the people who were in the top 10%, you know, didn't really give a shit what they got on the SAT or the ACT. Yeah. They weren't interested in fucking over people that are competing on that level. Right. They were already guaranteed in. They already knew where they were going, right? Right. So this was a... a the standardized test uh, aspect was a, is, is a way, I think, for people who are, have some hidden talent, you know, some, uh, maybe they don't do that well in high school for other reasons, then they can score really well on this test and then have this extra way to get into school. And to my mind, I think that's how it should go. Uh, a lot of, but instead, well, at least in New York, the system we're looking at here, that's the first tier is you're looking at test first mm -hmm. and then grades. And I think that's a mistake. I think you look at how somebody, you know, does in school first and then a test is like a, a way to, get around the system if you're secretly just you're bored or something or you're really good and you're too good in school and it's, right. it's, so it's, I it's failed you uh, back to Alexis's point though like I mean just in general that's sort of personal metrics like yeah. evaluating students but how a system pre performs right I think this is the issue right like and it goes back to my point right education is expected to do a lot of things and yeah. they're very cross purposes uh, yeah no cross purposes so like graduation I mean I 100% I, so I, I'll disagree with you fundamentally I think education has gotten so I think it's, or maybe it's gotten. I don't know if it, what the dynamic is, but I, don't, I think it's. A, I think in American high schools you get kind of a mediocre education. I would even say in colleges you get a mediocre education. I would say that I went to a pretty elite university. I got a pretty mediocre education, and like the only reason that I got a good education, I was handed a good, but I worked really hard to make sure that I got a good education. Right, like that wasn't handed to me, um, but that was because I had a value system set. I wanted to learn a lot, um, and I just think that in general the there's a softening of expectations because we see this as a gateway to the middle class. And uh, and so that's like, oh, how dare you prevent me from getting to the middle class? Of course you're <laughs> going to graduate. I mean, like there's there's just an incentive, right? I mean, graduation makes r perfect sense because you're like, how dare you don't let people graduate? And you're like, what if you're not there yet, right? Like, and, and, there, and so There's also, I think, questions of 
basic human needs based on gatekeeping sure. in our society, right? In terms of being able to land a job that will allow you a livable wage, right? Right, absolutely. When that's at cross purposes with, well, you know, were you academically performant or not? Did you sure. achieve the goals of a complete liberal arts education or not? Right? Like, should these be the basis of do you deserve to be able to eat? Well, the, right. <laughs> right. the goal of a liberal arts education is to be happy with what you do. Yes. <laughs> I think this yeah. is why I don't go to liberal arts. Exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, so, I, I, I think this is an excellent point because I think what happens. When we start to when we start to think about uh, the uh, the accreditation system, like how we accredit un uh, high schools or universities, I mean, there's a lot of weight, right? There's a huge tier of not graduating. There's a huge bump up in not graduating high school versus graduating high school, even with the GED, right? You, you, even with the GED equivalents, like you tend to be on the, that lower tier of not having graduated in terms of like your eventual outcomes, right? And I think the same thing with university, graduating university versus not graduating university, even if you spend 3.99 years there. Like that, that is a huge kind of opening of opportunity and a signaling to employers. And I think, I don't know how to fix the, both the credit system within the university or high school, but at the same time, just how, how much society looks at it. And I, I, I'm hoping that the technology revolution kind of cures a lot of this where like we tend to evaluate people more in terms of how they're willing to learn over a course of a lifetime rather than whether or not they hit this at 22, right? Yeah. Um, um, so I think I'm hoping that technology, I, I don't love being a techno-optimist and I, I'm always skeptical about what technology does, but I think there are revolutions about how, how how we deliver education that take it away from this kind of feudal system that will make it easier for people to learn certain skills. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that will actually translate. But again, I, I it's a very valid point to where like why why is a university degree or a high school degree the thing that gets you to some tier of of society? There's going to be all sorts of pushback for raising standards. You know, I, I really think like the true affirmative action in America, right, is like being going to like a religious school, right? Like, you know, a religious private religious private education in high school, right? To be valedictorian of your, you know, Faith West school and then get into an elite college like Ted Cruz nauseates me as someone from his hometown, right? To where I'm coming from, having to go to private school is punitive, right? Like, it, you know, the public schools are so robust and, and beloved, truly beloved in Texas that if you end up having, you know, people fight to get into the, the public schools and when they can't, they end up paying to go to a private school, hope, hoping to get really good grades, they can transfer into a public school, right? It's a completely ass backwards model of the East Coast, right? Which I, it just kind of baffles me and I feel like, and it also creates instabilities because you have these wild, you know, disparities in, you know, future outcomes, starting with you know, pre-K uh, here, and you, you see it happening, and I don't know, I, I think one of the, like I said, one of the most important things about education is to create stability. I don't know going into this, you know, in the John Rawls veil of ignorance or whatever, I don't know, I, I would not choose this system, because it really matters where you're born and how you, how, you know, who your parents are here, where, where I'm coming from, it's, you know, it's a it's it's a way less of a crapshoot, and it, I. So yeah. you're saying in the laboratory of democracy, represented by state oversight of schools, Texas is winning, and we should expand the Texas. I'd model? say I'd say California is winning, but I think Texas is and presents a conservative counterpoint to okay. California's mm -hmm. you know liberal model, and I think joining those two mm -hmm. and kind of evading the East Coast model or starting to ignore it or starting to analyze it and pry it apart and probe like what we're looking at here, what we're really seeing. Uh, even though I would agree that the most elite kids in America do end up at places like Harvard and Columbia and MIT, I think, I mean, MIT is impressive for sure, but not everybody wants to elite, uproot themselves and go across the country mm -hmm. to, you know, live in Boston, you know. So. Uh, let me push back on a couple of things, and I, this has actually been way more civil than I thought it was going to be. But uh, I think it's wrong to say that where you where you end up is dictated 
um, by what you start out with. Because I think wow. there there is there is a way to work your way through an education system that does involve hard work in, in public schools, no in public yeah. and and uh, intelligence and hard work. And I think the idea, and I think the narrative that's coming out is that oh, it is just a reflection of class privilege. I think that's absolutely wrong. Um, the public education system has delivered a generation of people uh, to the middle class that would not necessarily have had that foothold in it um, through the dint of hard work and, uh, and being maybe smarter or just being able to marshal the resources in one way or another to deliver themselves through the public education system. It can be a track to the middle class and it can be based on meritocracy. It's not guaranteed and there's no, and, 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 and uh, but I think uh, what is happening though is that we have taken education um, as uh, a weird way of signaling what is right in, uh, in the, the, uh, the relative tiers of education as being some sort of signal as to what is right in the job force and what is right in terms of how we value them as an employee and I think that's completely wrong like we placed on education this sort of filtering force uh, that says that this is how you're going to perform in the job market and having gone to school with a lot of like rich idiots like I think I think that's I think we all can kind of agree that that's not necessarily true but that's the society has to change in a, in a way that um, understands that that is not necessarily how you evaluate it but I think the idea that we can dismiss the education system as not being meritocratic to some degree, that it doesn't reflect both hard work and intelligence, I think that's a, a, that's a wrong narrative. And finally, I just want to say that one of the real problems is not only just how we accredit or the kind of value that we place on, on a tiered education or, a, or an elite education as signaling someone that's more worthy than others. I think the problem really is is that the, that the education workforce relies much more on the kind of skills that an education system filters on, right? Like intelligence, hard work, being able to study, being able to learn. And th those things an education system can filter for. It can actually signal. And as the workforce becomes more um, dependent on the kind of skills that can come through something close to an education or teaching yourself, uh, education is going to be really important. And it has now become an increasingly important gateway because it is also an increasingly important signal. That's not true from the uh, for, for the job force of 20 or 30 years ago where an education didn't really signal that. We believe in an, in an elite education because there's a little bit of a feedback loop because people who are seen as more intelligent may be able to be able to provide the really valuable skill sets that we need in a modern workforce. How do you feel about the public pressure, the policies of, of I think Sanders and Warren right now to eliminate or you know restructure college debt? Yeah, so I, um, I mean this is a really good question that we didn't quite get into, yeah. but I, I am really suspicious of this, right? I think that uh, one of the things that you do by either forgiving or opening up funding for college debt is you just magnify privilege, right? Like the people who can get into college are not the people uh, who are going to struggle that much. I mean, the people who take on a lot of college debt are the people going to elite universities, right? Like, and, I, and like they're not going to public institutions. So why am I? I can't imagine if I was like a you know blue collar worker like. Why am I like? Why are you taking the another hundred dollars out of my paycheck to pay for university people? That to me is the opposite of a progressive agenda, right? Like, I think the funding system is 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 fundamentally broken, right? Like giving out. I, I, one of the things that drives college education is because they can charge it, and the reason they can mm -hmm. charge it is because we have a relatively lax system of screening loans. We give a lot of loan money out. This is And specifically I, to eighteen year olds who are yeah. being told that this is just yeah. what you do, right? Right. So I mean I think one of the things that uh, I mean college loan system is basically like the housing crisis for millennials, right? Like I mean you're 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 giving people who are not necessarily making wise decisions a lot of money up front with not a lot of collateral. Perhaps even more so, right? Because you can't declare bankruptcy right. to escape college debt. You can't just be like, hey, I'm going to go to the hole. It can't be repossessed. Except right. with like a, a drill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, right. I, I mean, your, your skeleton isn't worth yeah. more than 150 bucks. <laughs> so um, I just, I think that one of the things that the government has done, and this is a typical like uh, U.S. government thing, is that they've pumped up the loan system as a way of like funding or registering the system and it only exaggerates underlying disparities and I think that if we wanted to talk about it we would really make sure that uh, state college systems are robust 
um, that they're well-funded and that people have access to them. And then you let private universities charge whatever. And uh, and you have some minimal, and if you go to a private university, you have a cap for how much you can spend, right? And I think... How much you can get a loan for. How much you can get a loan for. Yeah. And it, I actually am not a... I'm not a I don't think it's a bad idea to say, like, if you're going to get, if Harvard and Columbia and better schools in Columbia um, can get some sort of tax deduction, right, as a private institution, you're, the government is allowed to come in and say, like, well, these these are your tuition bills, right? Like, I mean, mm. I, I have no problem with that, right? I, I think, and I'm, I 100% think that they should get away from... Um, the the legacy system, right? I I, I think the trade-off does them a disservice. Yeah, I think you trade off getting rid of the legacy system valuable. for getting away, but making things race blind. Yeah, because again, like I think the the idea that Asians are not are actually weighed against, like we're we have a harder time getting in than white people. Yeah, I I'm not angry about it, but I should be, right? Like I think that's really hard. It's harder for me to get, you know, you know children like if I and Angela had children it would be harder for them to get into Harvard than you know a white person from our same district right like it's just they're Asian right that they don't want that many Asians and and it's just, there's been studies to show that really anecdotal and it so that that's really obnoxious right like I'm not I may be privileged but I mean you know the South Asia we live in a poor South Asian neighborhood they're not and that's that's uh, horrible but I, I think there are a number of things that have to come and the government has to kind of acknowledge how much it's uh, uh, it's done to exaggerate the problem, and I think the progressive solutions. This is what really annoys me. I think the progressive solutions are going to only make things worse, and it's co- and it's catering to like left leaning millennials. So how about the uh, what about the free college for state schools or people making under you know hundred grand or something? I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I think it's okay for people to take on loans, right? Like I mean, yeah, yeah that's a. I, I think I'm not. Uh, I'm a fan of free college as much as I'm saying like it should be affordable, right? Like I yeah. mean, like I, you know, you cap tuition at five thousand dollars a year. Like you figure out what's affordable, and I guess it's a technocratic, but like, like it's okay for a kid to walk out with debt of say you know five or 20, you know twenty five thousand dollars because college has to be worth it, right? Like you can't provide an yeah, maybe educate. some kind of actuarial yeah. cap if you want to get really technocratic, right? Right, like, but I mean, also think that you know I'm not a fan of saying like college has to be universal like i think that's a horrible thing to expect from people like why if you well, we're like not talking about we're talking about access to college universal. yeah access, if, so, if if the idea of taking on debt is something that makes it a you know my a prospect pro, my my weak actuarial thing is that you should be able to work your way through college right mm-hmm. like if you can take on a job as an 18 year old work 20 hours a week and accrue x number of debt that should be the marker of it right like and you can't work your way through college unless you're an athlete I mean, not an Ivy, not and certainly not an Ivy. None of the top tier college. So, like, you should be able to work your way through college without. And Generally I am not even a state university. Yeah, like I mean, that's that's one of those things. Like, we were say like, okay, well, we'll take you know, we'll loan you this much of debt. And you have to work your way through college. I think that's that's really the marker that the minute we can't work our way through college, like, I understand that you're in a learning period and maybe you can't give to your family income, but from 18 to 22, depriving a family of income, right? Like, I mean, maybe that's that's the thing that uh, that education is supposed to be, but like. Taking on an amount of debt that you can't work off in a, a lifetime is absurd, and I think that I think free education it only sounds good in practice because I think you have to kind of have skin in the game, right? Like I think you have to show that you're willing to to that an education is something that you're willing to invest in, not that. But it should also be possible. Right? Absolutely possible, right? Yeah, I'm not a fan of free college, but I think that's probably because I'm just slightly more conservative about what I think college should do. Yeah, right? it should be. It should be offered to people who have some will- willingness to invest in it themselves. What do we think about um, reduction of outside of class work at both, like sort of the primary through high school and university level as a way of equalizing? Because I feel like actually that's where maybe a lot of the less meritocratic elements of education come in is like how you reconcile the requirements of your education with what's happening outside of the classroom. Yeah, and I, I think that's an interesting point. I, I see your point, and I would actually go with the exact opposite. I think it's only by like having a lot of work that you actually have people who are willing to put in the school system. Like, I mean, I think the p- number of people, because we have uh, child labor laws, like the number of people, no, I, I, but I'm dead serious. Like, think about the people who need their children to work. Right, and I, I, well, I, I don't even—I don't, don't even mean like necessarily literal paying work right. outside of school. Um, I'm talking about like there's a variety of different oh, no, like, no. extrinsic factors, right? Well, right, but I'm just saying like think about the people who like I, I think there are certain situations where children need to work in order to provide for their family at like 14, right? Yeah. 
so the, the child's effective, like, they can't really put much money on the table uh, for a long time. And I, to me, like, the way that you distinguish, like, people who are, uh, who are, who are, able to learn and willing to learn is, is, you know, whether or not they were willing to work for it. Like, I mean, but seeing the, at all, the value of education may not happen for someone in elementary school. Right. I 100%. And then they're already behind. I'll give you you kind of the example, right? So like, I wasn't valedictorian. I forget where I was in my class. I know who the valedictorian was. And I I mean, because I went, it's North Carolina. I I knew her since I was five, right? And she worked us to death. Like, I could sleep through our advanced math class. Oh, actually, she wasn't my math class. Like, like, I could sleep through it and I could do pretty well but she worked us to death yeah, yeah, yeah right like and that's and she didn't come she definitely didn't come from like the most privileged background i think i think that's a thing you're like, using the, the word privilege very ambiguously i think but i think it's also an ambiguous term so i'm happy to use a, a tighter definition if yeah you offer. i mean i mean to me uh, you have to kind of credit her right like she the way she was able to work us into the ground and do better, and that was how she signaled it. Because she she may not have had the same intelligence that we did, but she was willing to work at it. And being and so if you just said, oh well, you, even if you do a lot of work, we're just because we're capping the amount of, of the amount of reward you get for doing extra work outside of class. That she would have been caught out for that. But I feel like that completely ignores the fact that there are perhaps many more people yeah. who have no ability to do that work outside of class. So you're already yeah, just and tapping no, all of so, them out. Well, there's no default. stopping. There's no stopping people from doing work outside of class. We're no, talking I, about I, it. What we're talking about is, is waiting that work done outside so of this, class, which I think is the problem, right? Well, it's a combination right. of both. Yeah. So this is the thing. Like I, I remember, I was up for a uh, scholar. Like, what is the purpose? Which which of doesn't happen in college, right? Right, like, right. There's right. no homework in college, right? So, no, there and is. I think science. You did go to We had tons of like problem sets and stuff. Well, that's I mean, it's all. It's like a constant. Yeah. So we had to read entire books like in between two. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. There's no homework though. It's not like this oh yeah, everything is work. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and so, every and, and the grades come from the the, the tests a lot of the time, right? So it doesn't really matter. Like you can do it or not. Like they're assigning it. Like here, study this shit. You know, it's up to you whether you do. But your grade is going to come from this. You know, the end of the the three tests or whatever. Right. Right. But the thing is, like I I think that it's not it's not clear, right? Like I think there's there's both issues because I was up for a scholarship and I remember reading the person who applied for it and she didn't get it for the previous year. And she said, I couldn't do a lot of extracurriculars because I had to help my family because I had to work. And I was like, I feel really shitty. And I didn't think of myself as privileged until I read her application. And mm-hmm. I ended up getting that scholarship, but I, I 100% agree that there is, that that people just don't have the, the resources to get to a point where they can devote a lot of time to school. But I, I don't, I mean, both systems can coexist that like uh, doing work at home can kind of signal meritocracy and it can only be open to certain people who have that those resources, right? Can, yeah. The two things can exist at a time. So I think having a strong opinion, I don't think your solution is a perfect solution because I do see a virtue, but I 100% agree that it's acknowledging an issue that's there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel the same way about school starting later. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of factors. That, and that, or even after school care. Yeah, I mean, my perfect my perfect education system would be, like, a federally mandated block of about four hours. And then everything else, like Legos, is grafted onto it, but is not judged, right? Like, if you want to take, you know, extra classes, they're available to you because school is fundamentally daycare, right? So, yeah. Like, you know, you have... That confusion is really hard. Yeah, you have to be there for those four hours, but then, you know, shit, you want to, like, get ready for college or whatever, take, like, an extra six hours, you know, like, in the course of a day, right? Yeah. Uh, and with, that can be athletics, that can be extra education, but it isn't part of the core block that's the only thing judged and the only thing that's standardized, right? That'd be my idea. And, you know, like, it would start late and, and early to to reflect people that have to work, and it would, you know, but it would also be all day for people that are just there to learn, you know? Yeah, and I just want to say, like, my limited success in this sort of education endeavor, right, like, was some combination of privilege and meritocracy, and I think that once you start to make, like, if it's, yeah, both, I mean, right? I like, think I, this is, like, self-criticism no, session. I, I think you earned what you got. I mean, but, like, but, I, yeah. but I did it, right? Like, I, yeah. but I, I, and I think that that's, that you have to acknowledge that this system has both aspects to it, right? Yeah, like, yeah. and if you and you start to say like, okay, well, it's all privilege, I start to push back. And if you're saying it's all meritocracy, I'm also like, I bullshit. think I think you have to acknowledge that what we really need is to beat beat those damn reds. Like, we're just trying to beat China, man. Like, yeah. however way we you can. Guys are <laughs> you guys are so fucked. <laughs> you don't understand. Well, we've had a fine way in from Miracle Jones and Kamala Rao today on the subject of education, and our friendship is intact. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to episode 63 of Room of Requirement. Thanks, everyone.